0: Chapter Twelve of Marriage Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Marriage Volume One by Susan Edmonstone Ferrier. Chapter Twelve. See what delight in Sylvan Scenes appear. Pope. Haply this life is best, sweetest to you, well corresponding with your stiff age. BUT UNTO US IT IS A CELL OF IGNORANCE, A PRISON FOR A debtor, Cymbeline. He found the old gentleman in no very complacent humour from the disturbances that had taken place, but the chief cause of which he was still in ignorance of. He therefore accosted his son with, "'What was the meaning of all that skirling and squealing I heard a while ago? By my faith, there's no bearing this din.' the beast of your wife are enough to drive a body out of the judgment but she mun give the maggots when she becomes a farmer's wife she mun give stirks and stots to make petso if she must have four-footed favourites but to my mind it would set her better to be carrying a wise-like wean in her arms than trailing about with the confounded dogs and parrots henry coloured bit his lips but made no reply to this elegant address of his father's who continued i sent for you sir to have some conversation about this farm of mcclashan's so sit down there till i show you the plans hardly conscious of what he was doing poor henry gazed in silent confusion as his father pointed out the various properties of this his future possession wholly occupied in debating within himself how he was to decline the offer without a downright quarrel he heard without understanding a word all the old gentleman's plans and proposals for building dykes, draining moss, etc., and, perfectly unconscious of what he was doing, yielded a ready assent to all the improvements that were suggested. "'Then as for the house and offices, let me see,' continued the laird, as he rolled up the plans of the farm, and pulled forth that of the dwelling-house from a bundle of papers. "'Ay, here it is.' by my troth you'll be well lodged here the house is in a manner quite new for it has never had a brush upon it yet and there's a buyer faint a bit if i would mean the best man of the country to sleep there hisself. a pause followed during which glenfern was busily employed in poring over his parchment then taking off his spectacles and surveying his son and now sir that you've heard all the oots and the ends of the business What think you your farm should bring you at the year's end? I, I, I'm sure I, I don't know, stammered poor Henry, awakening from his reverie. Come, come, gie a guess. I really, I cannot, I haven't the least idea. I desire, sir, you'll say something directly, that I may judge whether or no you have common sense, cried the old gentleman angrily. I should suppose, I imagine i don't suppose it will exceed seven or eight hundred a year said his son in the greatest trepidation at this trial of his intellect seven or eight hundred devils cried the incensed laird starting up and pushing his papers from him by my faith i believe you're a born idiot seven or eight hundred pounds repeated he at least a dozen times as he whisked up and down the little apartment with extraordinary velocity while poor henry affected to be busily employed in gathering up the parchments with which the floor was strewed i'll tell you what sir continued he stopping you're no fit to manage a farm you're as ignorant as yon cow and as senseless as its cough with good management, clock and dow should produce you twa hundred and odd pounds yearly. But in your guiding, I do if it would yield the half. However, take it or want it. Mind me, sir. That's all ye had to trust to in my lifetime. So ye may make the most of it. Various and painful were the emotions that struggled in Henry's breast at this declaration. Shame, regret, indignation—all burned within him but the fear he entertained of his father and the consciousness of his absolute dependence chained his tongue while the bitter emotions that agitated him painted themselves legibly in his countenance his father observed his agitation and mistaking the cause felt somewhat softened at what he conceived his son's shame and penitence for his folly he therefore extended his hand towards him saying Well, well, no more about it. Clackendow's yours as soon as I can put you in possession. In the meantime, stay still here, and welcome. I am much obliged to you for the offer, sir. I feel very grateful for your kindness, at length articulated his son. But I am, as you observe, so perfectly ignorant of country matters that I—I— IN SHORT, I AM AFRAID I SHOULD MAKE A BAD HAND OF THE BUSINESS. NO DOUBT, NO DOUBT YOU WOULD, IF YOU WAS LEFT TO YOUR OWN DISCRETION. BUT YOU'LL GET MORE SENSE, AND I SHALL PUT YOU UPON A METHOD, AND PROVIDE YOU WITH GRIEF, AND IF YOU ARE ACTIVE AND YOUR WIFE MANAGING, THERE'S NO FEAR OF YOU. BUT LADY Juliana, SIR, HAS NEVER BEEN ACCUSTOMED. LET HER SERVE AN APPRENTICESHIP TO YOUR aunts. SHE COULDNA BE IN A BETTER SCHOOL but her education sir has been so different from what would be required in that station resumed her husband choking with vexation at the idea of his beauteous high-born bride being doomed to the drudgery of household cares Education. what has her education been to make her different from other women if a woman can nurse her bairns and make their clothes and manage her hoose what mair need she do if she can play a tune on the spinet and dance a reel and play a rubber at whist no doubt these are accomplishments but they're soon learnt Education, pooh <laughs> i'll be bound lady juliana will make as good a figure by-and-by as the best dedicated woman in the country but she dislikes the country and she'll soon come to like it wait a wee till she has a wee in bairns and a house of her own and i'll be bound she'll be as happy as the days long "'But the climate does not agree with her,' continued the tender husband, almost driven to extremities by the persevering simplicity of his father. "'Stay a wee till she gets to Clackendow. There's no a finer, freer aired situation in all of Scotland. The air is sharpish, to be sure, but fine and bracing. And you have a bra peat moss at your back to keep you warm.' finding it in vain to attempt insinuating his objections to a pastoral life poor henry was at length reduced to the necessity of coming to the point with the old gentleman and telling him plainly that it was not at all suited to his inclinations or lady juliana's rank and beauty vain would be the attempt to paint the fiery wrath and indignation of the ancient highlander as the naked truth stood revealed before him that his son despised the occupation of his father's even the feeding of sheep and the breeding of black cattle and that his high-born spouse was above fulfilling those duties which he had ever considered the chief end for which woman was created he swore stamped screamed and even skipped with rage and in short went through all the evolutions as usually performed by testy old gentlemen on first discovering that they have disobedient sons and undutiful daughters henry who though uncommonly good-tempered inherited a portion of his father's warmth became at length irritated at the invectives that were so liberally bestowed on him and replied in language less respectful than the old laird was accustomed to hear and the altercation became so violent that they parted in mutual anger henry returning to his wife's apartment in a state of the greatest disquietude he had ever known to her childish complaints and tiresome complaints He no longer vouchsafed to reply, but paced the chamber with a disordered mien in sullen silence, till at length, distracted by her reproaches, and disgusted with her selfishness, he rushed from the apartment and quitted the house. End of chapter twelve. Recording by Patty Cunningham.